You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Cardinals fans, Titans fans, we are here. We are back. The first week of the 2021 NFL season and our first Locked On Crossover Thursday of the year. You have me, Tyler Rowland, host of Locked On Titans. You have Bo Brock and Alex Clancy, host of Locked On Cardinals. And we are getting ready to get you ready for this matchup this weekend between the NFC and the AFC. So a nice little interdivision crossover already. We are going to talk a lot about this game. We are going to start off taking a look at what these teams have gone through throughout the offseason. And then in our second and third segments, we will dive more into what to expect in this matchup. First and foremost, do want to let you guys know to check out the Locked On's Ultimate Season Preview 2021. You can go back, check all of those fantastic episodes out. Go division by division, team by team with the Locked On experts and the experts from our friends over at Odyssey, Jason Lockhamfora and Ross Tucker. But with all that being said, it is time to dive in. And first and foremost, how are you fellas doing? Rolling, man. We're ready. To, we're ready to get this ship rolling. I'm ready to watch some damn football. I'm sick yeah. of talking about games that don't count and prognosticating. I'm ready to watch stuff and actually eat it up and you know have some analysis gotta, on some new stuff. I gotta be honest. I'm I'm disappointed we didn't get the Malcolm Butler revenge game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I think he would have had his hands full no matter yeah. what, either way. But yeah, you know, you hope he's doing well. But definitely that was one of the more surprising things of the offseason. And speaking of that, why don't you guys, you know, tell the, the Titans fans here or refresh any Cardinals fans, what did the Cardinals offseason look like? I mean, here's the thing. It's It, it was glitzy. It was glamorous with... J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, training for Rodney Hudson. You know, the on paper, the Cardinals look like one of the more fun teams that are going to be watched by local and national media fans, et cetera, alike. A lot of fantasy football fans going to be focusing on the Arizona Cardinals and their output this year. We just don't know if it's going to work. Um, in Steve Kime, we have to trust for one more year, at least, depending on what the win-loss record is at the end of the season. But, Bo, like, Grade-wise, I think he and I both gave it a B-, minus, where the, the cornerback room and the running back room wasn't really addressed the way it should have been. Bo, is that, that, that's a fair assessment, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're looking for playmaking opposite DeAndre Hopkins, and I think they kind of fell short. They brought in A.J. Green, who's a little long in the tooth, and they brought in James Conner, who is uh, – you can't really anticipate him playing a full season or being reliable to kind of be that in-between-the-tackles back. So – the Arizona Cardinals, they had a checklist and they certainly checked off a bunch of those boxes, but there's some key, key voids in that cornerback room. It was thin before we joke about Malcolm Butler. Now it's, now it's a, by far the, the weakest link on this Arizona Cardinals roster. And I'm sure Tyler, you probably have the same concerns about that Tennessee Titans team. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, all of the concerns come on the defensive side of the ball for the Titans. The offense, I, I think even though they lost Jonu Smith and Corey Davis, they're in a very similar spot overall in terms of the, the offensive talent that they have. On the defensive side of the ball for the Titans is where all the questions lie. They added Bud Dupree as an edge rusher, big price free agent. They added Danico Autry, who didn't get all the fanfare that Bud Dupree did, but I think could ultimately end up being a bigger impact signing. They go with the youth movement in in the secondary, add two rookies and Elijah Molden and Caleb Farley in the draft, bring in Jack Rabbit Jenkins. And remember, it is now officially Jack Rabbit. He does not like it <laughs> if you call him Janoris. So they add there, they're elevating Amani Hooker, the safety out of Iowa, has been in the league for the for a few years now to play opposite of Kevin Byard. So they went with the youth movement in the secondary, kind of took all their resources and all their money and put it towards the pass rush in hopes of helping a historically bad pass rush. If you look at just playoff teams in NFL history, the Titans only had 19 sacks last year. So that's all the moves that they made in terms of or the big moves that they made in terms of players. But for the Titans, something a little bit different than what the Cardinals have. The Titans got two new coordinators on offense. They elevated Todd Downing from being the tight end coach to the offensive coordinator. He does have some OC experience in his past. He was the 2017 offensive coordinator for the Oakland Raiders. Yes, it was Oakland at the time. And then they elevated Shane Bowen, the outside linebackers coach, to defensive coordinator. He was kind of a shadow DC for the, the puppet master that is Mike Vrabel and the control freak that is Mike Vrabel last year. So seeing those two, two dudes officially get elevated into those roles, I think how they perform will, will factor in to the season as much as the new players and the new talent that the Titans have. So that kind of uh, wraps up what the Titans were doing, but I think either way, looking at both these teams as an overall yeah. point, I think both these teams have a lot of explosive offensive identity. And like you said, some questions on defense and that, that may not make for the, the best football teams in the league, but it should make for an exciting game in week one. Yeah. I mean, and there's one thing that I and Bo and the Arizona Cardinals fans are envious of, and it's the division you guys play in. I mean, listen, the Opposite. AFC South, the AFC South is has turned from one of the most intense divisions with Andrew Luck at the helm when, ten, when Tennessee was winning seven or eight games with Marcus Mariota every year. It was defense. It was running the ball. And then Jacksonville was always kind of like the stepchild left out. Now it's wide the hell open. And the Arizona Cardinals in the NFC West seem to be looking up. But what would you, would you give your hairline for the Cardinals <laughs> to play in the AFC South for one year? For one year, oh, your hairline man. for we, for you and me to switch hairlines for 365 yeah. days. I mean, look, they're still competing with two teams that are are contending. I mean, between the, the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans, there's no there's no easy path to the postseason. Sure, you've got a couple bunnies, and I know Jacksonville. There's excitement. There's also already new frustration. So yeah, you. I don't know. I don't think I'd give up playing in the best division in the league right now it's exciting so i don't know tyler it's it seems like it's a two-team race there in the afc south are we right by saying that i mean writing off the jacksonville jaguars i don't think anybody's gonna say hey hey whoa 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 you can't yeah, write well, off the jacks <laughs> yeah to be to be honest with you i 
I am actually in the camp of thinking that that Jacksonville will be better than a mm-hmm. lot of people expect. I'm seeing about six to seven wins. I know that may be a little bit of a stretch, but I think they could be a decent team. But no, I, I don't think that they're going to be contending for the division title this year. I think that's going to need a little bit more time than that. But that is, I would say, the, the biggest difference between these two teams is the, the NFC West is probably the best division in football, and the AFC South may be the worst division in football. And more than the actual talent and success of these teams, that might be a driving factor into the the ultimate outcome for either of these squads. But we are going to continue talking about this game. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into this game. And before we do that, I'm going to tell you guys how you can dive a little bit deeper into taking care of your region downstairs. And that is with our friends over at Manscaped. You got to make sure that you check out their brand new Lawn Mower 4.0. Across the board, this is the best package that you could take advantage of to take care of your package, your boys downstairs. And I do want to tell you that you're not going to be alone in this adventure. Already 2 million men have joined the cause. They have joined the Manscaped movement. And make sure that you do as well by going to manscaped.com. You're going to get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on. That's one word locked on. Once again, 20% off on the brand new lawnmower 4.0 and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on at manscaped. That's promo code locked on at manscaped.com. Be nice to have your audio. Here we go. Listen, bro. <laughs> Alex Lancey Bobrock locked on Cardinals. Uh, Bueller locked on Cardinals. Tyler Rowland locked on Titans. This is the first edition. Now you can hear me of the 2021 Locked On NFL crossover series. You hear us every Thursday. Cardinals fans, whoever we're playing, we're jumping up against. Uh, same with Tyler Rowland for Titans fans. A little quick announcement. Um, I'm very happy that I will not have to do at least one podcast without Bo Brock uh, every week as Tyler Rowland and I will be the official host of the Locked On NFL Thursday podcast. Uh, It's going to be awesome. Tyler and I both have a lot to say. Tyler's smart. Bo isn't. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible to watch. Make sure you check it out wherever you get your podcast Thursday. Tyler Rowland and myself, Alex Clancy, will be hosting that. So, Tyler, firing squad time for you and the Tennessee Titans here. Can I just say, I'm here for you. I'm here for you, Tyler. Uh, Anytime you you need to reach out and you need some sort of like therapy, there's a group of us that have to work with Alex and uh, it's, it, it helps. If you need someone, if you need someone to fall asleep to, you can listen to Bo and his takes. So we kind of, you know, we do a little bit of everything. Listen, Tyler and I are already doing karate in in the basement. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We're, we're, We're already doing it. Okay. So don't even worry about it. Did we just become best friends? Absolutely. Yep. Tyler Rowland, you have your strengths. You have your um, top heavy roster offensively. Mm-hmm. We know something about that here in Phoenix with a top heaviness from 1 to 53 on game day, pretty much in perpetuity in Arizona. But Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, they're proven commodities. When A.J. Brown's healthy, he's probably a top five receiver in the league. I want to talk about the newest acquisition with Julio Jones. Is he going to thrive? in that wide receiver two role is are things set up for him to do that? Or are they both dueling wide receiver ones when it comes to target share? Well, I, I, I don't think so. And I don't see it that way. And, and, and I know that Julio Jones is absolutely one of the best football players 
in the history of the planet, one of the best wide receivers to ever live. But I think that at you know this stage of his career, although I still think he can be incredibly effective, I think it's obvious that A.J. Brown needs to be the number one target for the Titans. He needs to get a significant amount more of the target share. But I think that only benefits Julio Jones because the reality is the Titans let Corey Davis walk to the New York Jets because they felt like they could replace him and they were able to do so with Julio Jones. And the opportunities that were opened up for Corey Davis were a result of the attention that A.J. Brown gets. So when you think about that, you you have to keep that formula going. You can't change that formula and all of a sudden try to divert the majority of your targets to Julio Jones. I think that would be a mistake, not only for the health of the offense, but also for Julio Jones's health overall. I don't think you want to force everything to him nonstop. I don't I don't think that would be the right move. You want to keep him healthy, and you don't need to give him a target share like he's in his prime. Last year, Corey Davis went for 65 catches, 984 yards. When you pop in Julio Jones, even Julio Jones in his 30s, I think there's a great chance that Julio Jones goes for around 1,000, 1,100 yards, uh, probably about 70 catches or so, while not being the number one target monster on the Titans. I think that would be the ideal setup for the Titans, even though Julio is who we know that Julio is. Yeah, you. I mean, you've got your proven commodities, as Alex kind of outlined. King Henry, you know what you're going to get. I mean, the guy, 2,000-yard mm-hmm. rusher. I just saw that he's the first guy to ever rush for 2,000 yards at every level, high school, college, pros, yep. unreal. Just his yep. high school statistics, if you just want to like, if you just want to gasp, look at his high school stats. They're unreal. But new coordinator coming in, uh, what's the expectations for the quarterback? A guy that everybody kind of wrote off, especially uh, was it uh, was it Grimes' wife that hated him down there in Miami? It, Ryan yes. Tannehill. What are the expectations now that he can't fly under the radar any longer uh, in this in this Titans offense? We know about the play action pass. What what are the what are they expecting from the quarterback? I think they're expecting similar results. And and I think yeah. one of the reasons for that is um, a lot of people look at Ryan Tannehill from a talent standpoint, and they're like, oh, you know, Ryan Tannehill's maybe not talented enough to put up these numbers. Well, I think one big factor that people aren't realizing is the system is so perfectly suited to what he does well. Ryan Tannehill isn't a pinpoint accurate passer like a Tom Brady is. He's a guy who needs his wide receivers to have a little bit of separation to feel comfortable firing it in there. And when you think about the play-action pass game and all of the space that it creates over the middle of the field, that's why Ryan Tannehill's been so successful. He doesn't have to fit it into these perfect little windows. He's not throwing timing and option routes nonstop. He knows, hey, I'm going to execute this play-action fake. Everyone's going to bite because Derrick Henry is a freak. And then Ryan Tannehill is going to have an opening over the middle of the field. Or like I was talking about with Corey Davis last year, the attention that Ryan Tannehill gets or that the attention that A.J. Brown gets opens up one-on-one opportunities for a guy like Julio Jones to go up against the team's number two cornerback. And what's that going to do? It's going to give Julio opportunities to get open and to not make Ryan Tannehill make these pinpoint accurate passes. Also, Ryan Tannehill has incredible mobility. People should know that by now. Wide receiver in college. It gets mentioned every single game. You would think anyone who watches football knows that by now, but it continues to get brought up. And look at me. You live long enough. 
to see yourself become the villain, and now I'm bringing it up. But that athleticism goes perfectly with the boot action scheme that the Titans run. He gets out on the perimeter, takes advantage of his legs, and it's not even always to run the ball. Just getting out there, forcing defenders to pull up, again, creates openings and separations so he doesn't have to be so pinpoint accurate. He can use his arm strength and his athleticism, which in my opinion are two of his best traits and also eliminates what I think his worst trait is as a quarterback, and that's pocket presence. So when, when, when you have the ability to use play action and some heavy blocking schemes and pass pro, get him out on the perimeter away from the pass rush, it kind of eliminates the, the big issue that he's had throughout most of his career. So I expect very similar numbers from Ryan Tannehill. The Titans are team regression. Everybody thinks they're going to regress every single year, and I just don't see it. Ryan Tannehill should give you very similar numbers to what he's been giving you the last two years because not much has changed for him. Alex Lanty, Bobrock, Locked on Cardinals, Tyler Rowland, Locked on Titans. I mean, before we move here, Ryan Tannehill's got a 24-mile head start in a 26-mile race with Derrick Henry in the play action uh, the play action fake outs for opposing defenses. The reason why the dude is now playing well is because he has Derrick Henry to fake the handoff to that keeps the defense honest. Hold Let's on. Let's be real here. Hold okay, on. Ryan Daniel comes then. over from Miami. Okay. Adam yes, Gase, fine. Crazy eyes Gase. Okay, fine. <laughs> a lot of it was Adam Gase. You come yes. over. Mike Vrabel looks like a genius because Derrick Henry is one of the best receivers or uh, running backs we've seen in the last decade. Or 15 well, years. Derrick Henry years. So wasn't until Tannehill took over. Derrick Henry was not doing this at all in the first few years of his career. It wasn't until Ryan Tannehill took over that Derrick he Henry the ball became up really well. Derrick wow. Henry. So I, I just don't think that the statistics don't back that up. They just don't. Derrick Henry was not who he was until Ryan Tannehill took over. So I'm not going to sit here and say that Ryan Tannehill deserves all the credit, but I think that the relationship is much more symbiotic then people want to give Ryan Tannehill credit for. And I do want to say this one thing about Derrick Henry. People talk about regression. Bo, you mm. mentioned his absolutely insane numbers. I think that there is a possibility here that Derrick Henry isn't just going to regress all of a sudden because of the workload. Maybe Derrick Henry is just one of the best five, eight, ten running backs to ever live. And everything about what he's done so far, other than his first two years in the NFL when he was behind DeMarco Murray, would lead us to believe that. So. Yeah. All that team regression stuff, uh, those are my answers. Derrick Henry is a unicorn. He's a Hall of Famer. Ryan Tannehill is perfectly suited for the system, and that will allow the Titans to not have a major regression on offense. And Alex, you're a hater. Yeah, well, you're just getting a taste of what I have to deal with on a daily basis here, Tyler. Welcome to the club. Before we get out of here, we, we have to get into this defense before we mm -hmm. face the firing squad. Just tell sure. me, what? how are the Titans – expecting to defend this season because last year they struggled. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were a top five offense, mostly in every category. Defensively, they struggled, and they're really rolling the dice, I feel like, defensively. Yeah, well, I think the reality here is that the, the Titans couldn't improve dramatically on defense just with the, the personnel that they had. But I think the biggest thing, and it's something I alluded to in the first segment, the elevation of Shane Bowen from outside linebackers coach to defensive coordinator. He was kind of a shadow defensive coordinator last year. And 
a lot of the Titans' key players on defense talked about communication issues being a big part of the problem with the defense last year. Guys, the the coverage didn't match what they were doing in the pass rush. Uh, People weren't knowing exactly where they were supposed to be. And now that Mike Vrabel and Shane Bowen aren't sending mixed messages throughout the week, and it's just Shane Bowen's defense, I think that should help those communication issues, and that should help the Titans be a little bit better. But also, also, like I mentioned, they totally changed where the money is in the defense. They took it out of the secondary, and they put it into the pass rush. I'm a firm believer that pass rush is more important and more effective than top-tier coverage. I would rather have a great pass rush unit than a great coverage unit. That's just my personal belief in how to build a football team, and I think the Titans agree with me on that note. So with all of the new resources and the allocation of the resources to the pass rush, and then Shane Bowen hopefully improving the communication on the back end, I think that's what the Titans are hoping for on defense, and the Titans don't have to be a top 10 defense. It's like the Cardinals. If you have a top 10, top five offense and then a league average defense, you're going to be a much better team than the Titans were last year with the 25th best defense in the league. So I think the elevation of Shane Bowen to DC, the money going towards the pass rush instead of the secondary, I think those are the two biggest factors in the Titans' optimism for having a better, not not great defense, but a better defense this season. Tyler Rowland, Bo Brock, Alex Clancy, it's your Locked On Cardinals Titans crossover for this opening week showdown, which if you guys, you've been paying attention to the spread, went from two and a half, it's now three. Looking at betonline.ag, yeah, it's that time of year again. All eyes are turning to the gridiron football teams back out there. As always, BetOnline's your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this season. Get updated odds, props, and contests. Oh, man, they've got contests, including the online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now at BetOnline. Get this. Head over to the website right now on your cell or on your computer. Sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. They'll match your first entry dollar for dollar. Be sure to take advantage of tonight's opening day super promo. Make a bet tonight, September 9th, the opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. If you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. That's for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. NFL100, bet online. The fastest, easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. It's bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. Do you put the lighting just so your hair looks good, Bo? I'm sorry. As I move on to Rock Auto, like I'm mesmerized. Say, like you've you've outdone yourself today. Thank you. you really have. Uh, let's talk about RockAuto.com. Um, I don't know anything about cars. Bo doesn't know anything about cars. Tyler, one to ten, what's your car knowledge? Negative two. Okay, great. You're gonna fit in just fine when we host Locked On Locked On NFL on Thursdays together. RockAuto.com's got all of us covered. You don't have to go to a chain storefront. You don't have to deal with upcharges. You don't have to deal with the people behind the desk looking at you like you don't know what the hell you're doing because you don't. RockAuto.com allows you to do everything from the comfort of your own home. Go to RockAuto.com. Their prices are reliably low, so whether it's for your daily driver or your weekend convertible or both, you can just go to RockAuto.com and type in the search box, paint. Cool. Gotcha. Tail lamps. Word. Gotcha. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business. They've been online for 20 years. They've got you covered. You don't have to go to a chain storefront. Do it from your pajamas at home. Now go to RockAuto.com, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com.
when you guys hear that that ad read, it it, it makes you think of the song, right? You know, all oh, yeah. the parts rock auto, rock auto. I love it. I love it. But with with all of the attention being given to rock auto, it's time to turn our attention back to this game. And you guys are now getting in the hot seat. The first question I have is for Bo, and you kind of alluded to this, but Bo, how does it feel to have the second best hair on the broadcast? Ooh, uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, that's like saying... I don't agree with that, and I don't even no, want to I, agree with that. <laughs> you just I know, it's your... tough. Yeah, it's tough for our podcast listeners. They have no idea what we're talking about, but uh, I mean, this mine's great just... great audio content. My, my main is majestic, and, and, and Tyler's is... It, it passes. Let's just say that. So I, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, it's like... Well, it's trying to compare my Grable versus Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, oh well. I mean, if it <laughs> if it was a fight, I would take Mike Vrabel. But you know that that's a different story for a different time. But let's talk about this game. I have questions, and obviously, all my questions have to start with Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray obviously dealt with some health issues last year that limited his ability to run late in the season. But the Cardinals overall are a great running team because of the threat that he possesses. But also, they were one of the best running teams in the league last year, seventh best. Do you think that the Cardinals' rushing offense is going to continue that success, or do you think that they're going to lean more towards the the passing game now with the addition of a guy like A.J. Green? I mean, if you asked me the first, after week nine of last year, I would have said it's going to improve, it's going to continue, it's going to be the focal point of this offense. If you asked me at the end of the year, like you're asking me now, looking towards 2021, that's the question. And 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 the, the subsidiary question of that is, should the running game be the focal point? Should Kyler Murray be in front of the line of scrimmage? Or should he try to keep his pocket presence there and watch the plays matriculate and go through his progressions and keep himself out of harm's way, potentially, even though the biggest weapon on the offense is still his legs? So... I think that the rush attack should at least remain status quo. You have Kenyon Drake removed from the roster. James Conner added. We'll see what Chase Edmonds can do as the RB1, RB1A. We'll see exactly what happens. But if the Cardinals can win games without Kyler Murray being the leading rusher or being close to the leading rusher, some real noise can be made. Not only the NFC West, but over the course of the season for the Cardinals. But if it's the opposite of that, there could be trouble in River City. Bo, what are your thoughts? No, I, I agree with uh, with with Alex, and I wish that the team and the team kind of ad- did adopt early in Cliff Kingsbury's tenure of run the damn ball that uh, that the Titans go with, and it, it's a misconception because we hear all about the air raid offense. We know that we Kyler Murray possesses a big arm, and we know that DeAndre Hopkins is there on the outside as one of the most lethal wide receivers in the game. But when they can run the football, I mean, this is a team, and, and we I hang my hat on this stat that. The team under Cliff Kingsbury is 10 and 2 and rushing for over 150 yards. That's just, it, it, they, it gets the job done. You know that when there's that good run pass balance, the Arizona Cardinals are a very good football team. When they went and they, but they have this, they, they get away from the run way too often, way too early. And uh, that's when they kind of get one dimensional and, and they're sank. So, you know, I don't know if I necessarily agree with Kyler Murray's, the, his, his legs are the most, you know, important offensive weapon they have. DeAndre Hopkins is pretty good. But, uh, you know, they need to take it up a notch. They've gone from, you know, a putrid 14 points per game in 2018 to 23 points per game to 26 points per game. But they need to be consistent on a game-by-game basis. 
and approach that 30 points per game mark this year because it has to be their calling card. It's it's DeAndre Hopkins, it's Kyler Murray, it's Cliff Kingsbury. Those are all offensive-minded guys. They have to figure it out offensively. Otherwise, Alex, what what's your saying? If it if it's not their calling card, I mean, you just butchered that like you butchered well, everything else. If if the I'm Arizona trying to card, set you up for God's sake, if take it the if the offense isn't the strength of Oof. this team, what the hell is Cliff Kingsbury doing here? Yeah, that there I mean that's that's a that's a valid point. And and staying on the offensive side of the ball, Tyler Roland locked on Titans, Bo Brock, Alex Clancy locked on Cardinals. My question for you guys is what is your biggest concern on the offensive side of the ball for the Cardinals as they go mm-hmm. up against the Tennessee Titans defense that's not good? But if if the offensive side of the ball doesn't carry their weight, what do you think yeah. happened? Yeah, I mean it's there are a bunch of them. And we saw that uh, like a microcosm of that in a small sample size of Kyler Murray going out there in a couple drives this preseason and the offense kind of looking exactly like it did at the end of last season. And it was ineffective and it it comes a lot with, you know, this quick play calling and they're going to go three quick plays and be three and out. And next thing you know, that defense is right back out on the field and it's just, they shoot themselves in the foot. They get away from the run. They, they don't really seem to take the easy play to move the chains. They want to be a big play team and it it it's it hasn't been working the last uh let's say 10 games for this team. So I think that the, as, as far as that that goes my my main concern as far as the offense is the play calling. You'd like to see it improve. You'd like to see Cliff Kingsbury show that he belongs at the NFL level as a play caller. And uh you know, as far as the offensive line, I think the offensive line is fine, especially against this pass rush. I think the wide receivers are going to eat against this defensive secondary and then that run game you know, how does Chase Edmonds look as an RB1? Is he going to be able to get outside and uh, and and really be effective and be as impactful as, as Cliff Kingsbury's kind of wanted him to be in this position for so long? So uh, it, it's really going to come down to play calling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's the head coach. I mean, he's here to play call to call plays well, and he doesn't do it very often. So if he continues to not do it very often, they're going to have issues. Uh, when he does do it well, it's magic. And the fact that he's unable to string it together as much as he does. What I say, and Bo's heard this ad nauseum, that Cliff Kingsbury can put together a great preview or a great trailer to a movie, but the movie sucks. And and yeah, that's kind of what we've that's kind of what we've been watching because it's true, like, especially for Entourage fans out there, I always quote Medellin. It's the Medellin trailer. It's the Medellin trailer, but the movie's terrible. And that's kind of what we've seen it since it, since his you know time here as a coach. And well, you hope it changes because there is greatness in there regardless of how much flack he gets, but he's clipping Kyler Murray's wings and this offense's wings up to this point. And if he can open things up and do whatever he needs to do to kind of shift it, the Cardinals will have one of the better offenses in the league. He just has to call better plays. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, obviously we have to transition to the defensive side of the ball. And like with the Titans, that's where the concerns really start to fester. Obviously, two great pass rushers, J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. But outside of that, a lot of questions in the back half of the defense. Isaiah Simmons at linebacker struggled last year. They dropped a similar player in Zaven Collins. Hopefully they're able to use those guys correctly. But in the secondary, former Tennessee Titan Malcolm Butler, who we talked about at the beginning of the show, an abrupt retirement right before the season started, left. uh, Now, I want to say Byron Murphy, really, really good cornerback. Buda Baker, really, really good safety. But outside of that, Robert Alford hasn't played football in a long time. Two rookies, Tay Gowan, Marco Wilson. Uh, I'm going to say this terribly, but Luck Barku, 
Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know if that's right. You guys can correct me if so. But uh, what's your, your overall take on what this Cardinals defense can be? Uh, hope the pass rush is good. You hope the pass rush is good. Because you know the Buda Baker, pound for pound, is the best safety in the league. He's the most, probably the most unknown safety. I had, I tell Bo this all the time. I've had buddies text me after he got his extension, like, who the hell's Buda Baker? So he's obviously shown at this point that he's an all pro, he's an all pro safety. Yes. He's a little bit quote unquote undersized for what a secondary guy should look like, but he hits like a linebacker. You mentioned mm -hmm. Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. The one thing Bo and I and, and others were looking for this offseason during the preseason was do they look like they belong on a football field? And Isaiah Simmons yeah. did not look lost. Zayvon Collins looked like the antithesis of lost. He looked like he had the defense dialed in because he's going to be the Mike linebacker. Colin plays for this defense at the ripe old age of 22, however old he is. So when it comes to the strength of this team, it's got to be the pass rush because Buda Baker spying over the top for um, you know an inferior cornerback room can only do so much. Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, need to eat, need to get double teamed, need to open up gaps for linebackers and corners to blitz. I mean, that's where the, that's the Cardinals calling card last year was the blitz that Vance Joseph was able to kind of bring out of thin air when Chandler Jones went out to make it the focal point of the defense, and it worked. I believe they can expound upon it this year. Luke Barku. That's uh, that's how you pronounce his name, Luke Barku. Oh, so I, was and... one, I was one for two. I got the <laughs> last close. name, not the first Pretty name. Close. You know? I don't expect you to know that name. Uh, you know, it, it's weird that this this team is is really the the scouts, the, the coaching staff, the the decision makers. They seem pretty content with this defensive secondary. Well, a lot of us think that that's a naive approach with Byron Murphy being the most proven commodity on the outside and he's more of an inside corner. At least that's where he's had success. So, right. you know, just like you said, what the Titans want to do, what Alex said, that pass rush, it has to be elite. It really does. And those guys just have to have pedestrian performances for this thing to work out in the secondary, but the guys in the uh, up front, that front seven has to be special for this to all work out. You know, Vance Joseph runs that cover zero all the time and going up against this offense, that can be just catastrophic. So we'll see uh, what happens, but this defense—it's—it's it, got—it's very top-heavy in that front seven. It just, in order for this to work, they have to be special. Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, and and similar things with the Titans as well. But that is a comprehensive preview from both sides of the spectrum of this season opening game between the Arizona Cardinals and the Tennessee Titans. Had a great time talking with you guys. Alex, I look forward to talking with you every single week on Woo! the Locked On NFL show on Thursdays. Bo, it's great to talk with you as always. I'm sure I'll be talking to you throughout the season as well for different items. But that's going to do it for us today. Bo Brock, Alex Clancy, Locked On Cardinals. I'm Tyler Rowland from the Locked On Titans podcast. We will talk to you guys later this week.